is this. Please open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. The four Gospels. We're going to go into John. Uh, We're also going to go into uh, Matthew chapter 21. So John chapter 12 is where we're going to begin, though. In John chapter 12... Verse 12, we read, The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion! Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. College basketball is over. The final game was played between Gonzaga University, which is found in Spokane, Washington, and the University of North Carolina. The final score, 71-65, to North Carolina beat Gonzaga. Now, I've never been to one of these events, but I've heard that when the teams come out to the floor, it's a time of just excitement. It's overwhelming. The team doesn't just casually walk out onto the court, uh, but it's a production. It's kind of built up. There's this crescendo of the announcer's voice as he announces the teams, and they come out to the floor. The university band strikes up this exciting version of the team's fight song. There are banners and balloons and streamers and the cheerleaders standing at attention. People just almost in a frenzy. Well, you could say in a frenzy. There's a light show that flashes all across the auditorium. And when the crowd is worked into a fever pitch, the team runs out onto the court. And the crowd goes wild, doesn't it? There's an excitement. There's a fervor that is built up, an anticipation of being present at an electrifying event. And you sense it. Some of you, maybe many of you, have been at such events. Maybe not the Final Four. Maybe you've been to other games, World Series, playoffs, Super Bowl, or your granddaughter's recital. But all this is done because the team and their fans are essentially declaring that they've not only come to play, but they've come to win. Now that's what's happening here as we read through John chapter 12. And what we see here as Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, there is this excitement. There is this fervor among the crowds that is off the charts. Even the Pharisees were conceding to Jesus in John chapter 12, verse 19, where it says, So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So they're conceding. Look at this. We're we're of no effect here. Look at, they're all going after Jesus. They're singing his praises. For three years, Jesus has been walking the will of the Father out which included this very day, which is, by the way, the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, as it's quoted. 
For three years, he's performed miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. For three years, he's healed the sick, making the lame walk, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the blind see, and has poured himself out in the teaching of his disciples, specifically the 12 men who would further carry out the gospel message of what the Father offers through Jesus Christ. Minus one, right? These are his eyewitnesses to all that has taken place and is about to take place up to and including Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. It was about a week before this day that Jesus had gone to the home of Mary and Martha and raised their brother Lazarus from the dead. By the way, they make reference to that. By the time Jesus gets to Jerusalem, the crowd is primed, you could say, in a manner of speaking. In fact, verses 17 and 18, if you look with me here, gives us the reason why the crowds were gathered unto Jesus. Verse 17 tells us, The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead? Oh, I've got to go see this man. So that's what brought them together, among other things. Now Jesus, he knew this very well, but Jesus was not going to stroll into Jerusalem in a casual manner. He had come to deliberately declare that he was the king of Israel, the anointed one, the promised Messiah, the one who had been predicted by the prophets of God. In about a year before this, Jesus was teaching a large, large crowd out in the country. It was getting late and the people were, were hungry. So Jesus instructed his disciples to feed them. It was quite a scene. But the only food that they had available was a lunch of this small young child, five loaves of bread and two fish. And with that, as they placed this in Jesus' hand and he blessed the food, 5,000 people were fed. By the way, there were 12 baskets of bread left over. The crowd was really impressed. So impressed that they wanted to make him a king. Right then and there. In John 6.15, we read, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. It was not his time. He withdrew. But they wanted to make him king right then and there. With this little amount of food, you could feed 5,000. You could raise the dead to life. So they were coming. People had heard about and seen what it was that Jesus had done throughout his years of ministry. Three years. The crowd sensed that Jesus had the bearing, you could say, to be the long-awaited king of Israel. But the kind of king that they wanted wasn't what Jesus had in mind, nor what the Father had in mind. They were one. He didn't come to do that at this time. They wanted an earthly king, a king who would sit upon the throne of David, but lead them in battle against the Roman 
the Romans who were ruling at the time. But when it came, became apparent that Jesus wasn't going to be that kind of a king, just a short time later, the crowd, the very same crowds that were crying out and singing his praises, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, turned. And instead of cried out, crucify him. But again, this was, we need to understand, this is all part of God's plan. This is all part of the Father's will. Jesus was perfectly working that out. Perfectly. This was part of it, though. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19, And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. So Jesus knew perfectly exactly what he was going to. In fact, it wasn't just once that he told this to the disciples. Several times. He knew exactly what he was coming up to. Later, he would tell Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. John 18, 36 yeah, Jesus' kingdom is indeed not from this world. His kingdom is eternal, and His glory fills it. Jesus is King, and He is Lord, and He is God, and He reigns. This entry into Jerusalem was one that was prophesied about by Zechariah, and in no way would be misconstrued as being anything but the picture of the King coming into the city of David, Jerusalem, as it had been prophesied. In fact, we know... From John chapter 12, as John writes, and if anyone would know, it would be John. He was part of the the whole crowd that was there with him that day. In hindsight, this was fulfilled. For us, there are hindsight, for us is our foresight. We see all of this worked out perfectly. This was a fulfillment of much prophecy. And what we have before us is Jesus disclosing who he is. Not just to his disciples, but to all of the people. The question is, how did they see him? And more importantly, how do we see him today? The stage is set. You see, people are coming into Jerusalem from all over. Thousands are beginning to pour into the city to celebrate Passover. And Jesus and his disciples are coming as well. Having arrived on the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem can now be seen across the valley, just beyond. And Jesus calls for his disciples to bring him a donkey that had never been written. They found the donkey just as he had said. And Zechariah 9.9 is fulfilled before their eyes as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on this donkey. Can you imagine thinking about this afterward? His disciples were all together. Jesus had now been crucified. He had been buried, risen from the dead. 
After all of this, after 40 days of appearing to his disciples, he ascends into heaven. And they're, they're waiting. They're waiting for the Spirit, just, just as uh, the Helper, just, just as Jesus had told them to. They're thinking about all this. Amazing. Amazing. He fulfilled this. He fulfilled that. As we, as we know Scripture, as we know the Old Testament to be what it is, all of these things... So John, in hindsight, writes this. He says, this was, this was fulfilled. So who is this? Well, turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. In Matthew chapter 21, by the way, Jesus' triumphal entry is covered in all four Gospels. And in Matthew chapter 21, verse 6, we read, The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So they asked the question, Who is this? Who is this? And the answer came. That Jewish carpenter, you know that Jewish carpenter. You know that one from Nazareth and Galilee? This is him. You know the one that was perfect, you know, never did anything wrong. This is him coming in. D.A. Carson said, quote, The applause and the crowds were not manipulated. They would have occurred in any case. But to ride on a colt, because it was planned, could only be an acted parable, a deliberate act of self-disclosure. Secrecy was being lifted, close quote. So they knew full well who this was. If you want to see documented historical evidence to prove that Jesus did exist, there is plenty of it before you. Not just here, but other writers of the time. Historians, people who would write of the fact that Jesus did exist in those times and these things did happen as it is written in the Word of God. It's all there. Here Jesus fulfilled prophecy, the prophecy of Daniel's 70 weeks, which many feel Jesus fulfilled to the exact day on his triumphal entry. Just if, if you're taking notes, jot down Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. But here's the point. These people knew exactly who Jesus was. They were spreading their clothes and tree branches, including palm branches on the ground before him. So the question is, you know, what does this mean? The, the palm branches, 
Palm Sunday. Why were they laying down their, their clothes, you could say, before Jesus? There were many people going before him and after him, singing his praises. What kind of procession is this? Well, what the people were telling Jesus by doing this is that they recognized that he was king. They were giving him their loyalty and promising their, their promise to support him. Full commitment. You are our king. There were people before him, again, and they were after him, not only laying their cloaks down, not only laying down these palm branches, but they were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Can you imagine these crowds just saying this, yelling it out, shouting it out? Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And they were shouting. They weren't, they weren't holding back at all. Mark 11.9 says, And those who went before and those who followed were shouting. Luke chapter 19, verse 37, The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. John chapter 12, verse 13, And went out to meet him, crying out, loud voice, shouting. They knew exactly who he was. Who is this? The people said of Jesus, as is recorded in the Gospels, uh, referring to Jesus as the Son of David. He comes in the name of the Lord, even calling him the King of Israel. Who is this? Historically, it is documented. It can be supported by so many different extra-biblical sources that he is who he said he was. But the Bible is sufficient in and of itself. Well, some said that he was a blasphemer. Please turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Luke chapter 19, verse 39. This is a response to what we've already read in the other Gospels, in Matthew and in John. But there was a different response by these people. They were the religious leaders of the time. They were Pharisees. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 39, we see what what had happened with them. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would, what? What? The very stones. You see, at that time, can you imagine, you were an eyewitness to all this. You saw miracle after miracle. Not only did he produce food out of really nothing, Multiplied the loaves, multiplied the fish. But he had power and authority over the elements. Looked at the seas, the storm. What did he say? Be still. It's done. 
You saw all of that. The blind see, the mute speak, the deaf hear, the lame walk. You heard his answers. You saw how he read out of scripture and pointed to himself. And even then, as eyewitnesses, they completely ignored who he was. They didn't believe, even though they knew. These people, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, these religious leaders knew Scripture very well. They saw what was going on right before before their eyes. They still didn't believe. Had they gone back to the Old Testament Scriptures and looked at what the prophets had prophesied, what even Moses had written, they could have seen Jesus for who He was and He is today. They were more interested in keeping their own authority and rule over the people, their place in the world and favor in the eyes of the Roman king. That's what they were more interested in. They were willing to sacrifice the truth for those things. They would rather kill the word and live for the world's favor rather than die to the world and live for the word. They would rather do that. There are still people like that today. I'd rather be popular in the eyes of the world. I'd rather be favored in the eyes of leadership. I'd rather have the favor of the people and just go straight PC and compromise my faith. By the way, that's political correctedness, right? I don't don't want to shake things up. Just blend in. They had scripture before them, but were blind. They even went to the extent of calling Jesus a blasphemer. When they told him, hey, teacher, rebuke your disciples, why were they telling him that? Well, they were telling Jesus to do that because they were saying, they were implying very directly, very openly, that's blasphemy. They're saying, Hosanna? Hosanna in the highest? You come in the name of the Lord? No. Tell them to be quiet. They had scripture before them, but were blind and were even calling Jesus a blasphemer because there was no doubt in their minds that Jesus was receiving praise that was only to be given to God. Maybe it's because he is God. Jesus himself answered the Pharisees, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. There are those today that ignorantly and without searching out scripture say to those who shout and cry out that Jesus is the Son of God, the heralds, the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And we have the world that is doing the very same thing. Shut up. They're still telling the church. In fact, you know what? That voice is getting louder. What are you going to do about it? Because really, it's it's up to you. Are you going to continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? 
Are you going to continue to, to walk out salvation with fear and trembling, with complete confidence and boldness, knowing that you stand in the truth? Who is this? Who is this? That question has to be answered, and I pray it's answered this morning with each and every one of you. We're, we're talking about Palm Sunday, a triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And we know from what John tells us that at that time, they didn't know what was going on fully. They didn't fully understand it. But we have full understanding. We have no excuse whatsoever. Nothing. Zero. Who is this? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 21. Back in Matthew chapter 21, verse The crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Who is this? This is the one who saves. Who is this? This is the Savior. That's who this is. Because we need to understand what Hosanna means. It means save now. That's what that means. So when you sing it, Hosanna, Hosanna. You're singing. Yeah, you guys know the song, right? You're singing save now. You're, you're, you're singing his praises. Save now, but... You're also singing, my Savior. You are my Savior. But continue that active work of saving, of drawing people unto yourself. The people were praising God for sending the Savior who would deliver them from oppression and trouble. They were hailing Jesus as their king and recognized him as the son of David. Very rightly very correctly, but in a different sense. They believed that salvation had come, and indeed it had, but the king would not have an earthly victory at this time, at least not the way they wanted to have him have. You see, the king had come to conquer sin and death. Riding in humbly on a donkey into the city of David, David Guzik writes, quote, Jesus came to Jerusalem in humility, Yet with appropriate dignity, instead of coming on a horse as a conquering general, he came on a colt, as was customary for royalty. He came to Jerusalem as the Prince of Peace, close quote. That's how he came in. The Prince of Peace. The people had a right, but we know not fully understood at the time. Jesus came to seek and save the losses. Uh, Luke wrote in Luke 19.10, he came to seek and save the lost. Who do you say that Jesus is? Again, that's the question that needs to be answered this morning that I've been asking from the very beginning. Who is this? But who do you say that Jesus is? Do you believe that he is the Son of God who came to die on the cross for your sins? 
was buried and on the third day rose from the dead? Do you believe that? I have to say that if you do believe this, that there should also be evidence of that. I, I, I can't help but acknowledge the fact that for the person who has surrendered their life to Christ, they're no longer the same person. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he is now a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I know that if I remained the same person, I just kind of um, mentally acknowledged who Jesus was, but really didn't believe it in my heart, that I, I didn't really take it to heart, didn't receive his grace in its fullness, that it would be nothing more than something good in my life, but yet have no evidence of it taking full root in my life, for me believing it, because it'd be superficial. That means every now and then I'd come to, to church, I would say that I believed, because there are a lot of people, by the way, in the world that say that they believe, but there's absolutely no fruit whatsoever. And I'm not telling you this, I mean, the Bible lays it out straightforward. I'm not telling you this to, okay, well, now here comes, you know, he's making me feel bad. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about understanding. You see, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. From that, there's this new life. There's a new way of thinking, new desires. You don't desire the old. It actually... It, it's a trip. It's like, wow. If you guys knew me, there's some people that know, knew me before that are here. <laughs> they can attest to it, okay? If you knew me before coming to Christ and then talk to me a little while later, you'd wonder, who, who is this? Who, who is this? You're, you're not the same person. You're right. I'm not the same person. I don't have the same desires. It's not for myself. Me, myself, and I. All of a sudden, I have this heart that longs to please the Lord. I, I don't want the things of old. I want the new that comes with the relationship I now have with Jesus Christ. I know that my sins are forgiven. I know that the burden of sin and death has been lifted off of me. Now I too with Paul can say to be absent from the body is be present with the Lord. I don't fear death. I don't fear this life. I don't think, fear anything that can come against me. Nothing. I don't have any doubt. It's not like I can, if someone were to ask me, well, if you were to die today, where would you be? I'd be in heaven. Why? Because God said I will be in heaven with him because I have surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. There's no doubt. And I'm not saying any single person here has lived that life perfectly after coming to Christ. But you have no doubt. And again, it reflects in the way you live your life. 
So who do you say Jesus is? Do you believe he is the son of God who came to die on the cross for your sins, was buried, and on the third day rose from the dead? Now let's turn to Matthew. We're in Matthew 21. Let's go back a few chapters to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to go verse um, 13. The same question was asked of Peter. Same question. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Some say, or others say, Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Oh, what a glorious moment. I tell you, when I was sitting in service and I was listening to the message and a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, had already given me his Bible to read and read through this and I had tons of questions for him. But when I heard this invitation, when I heard, do you want to know salvation in Christ Jesus? When he asked, who do you say that Jesus is? I cried out in my heart. I believe that he is the son of God. I believe that he died for me and my sins. I want salvation. I want forgiveness of my sins. You see, Paul, I mean Peter, and all the other disciples had been walking with the Lord for quite some time. And still even at that time, Jesus turned and asked him, who does the world say that I am? That's what he was asking. Who does the world say that I am? Okay. Elijah, John the Baptist, some prophet. But who do you say that I am? And the one who revealed this to Peter wasn't his flesh. It wasn't this academic understanding of who he was, acknowledging, yeah, and historically he is. No, no, no. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Do you desire this morning for the Father to reveal that to you? Do you truly want to know salvation in Jesus Christ? If you sincerely do, God wishes that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Come to know it. Meaning you repent of your sins and you cry out to him, forgive me, take me as your child. One of your your people forgiven in Christ Jesus. Give me that gift of grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
So Jesus asks the same thing today to everyone. The world says what they say. And they will continue to say what they say. But who do you say that I am? He asks. Who is this? The question is still being asked today. In one way or another, it is answered by every single person. The answer has, by the way, an eternal impact. John chapter 3. And we're coming to a close here. John chapter 3, verse 16. You know the verse, John 3, 16. But it goes on from there. I know we quote that, but I'm going to take you a little further. Two more verses after that. So John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. What's the world? Some people, not others. Every single one. Whoever has existed, exists and will exist. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son... That whoever, you are the whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Any questions there? It's pretty simple, isn't it? The gospel is pretty simple. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, as maybe the world has made every attempt to make you believe. Right? But right here, verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The only Son of God. He doesn't have more than one. There are not multiple ways to get to God. At least not for salvation. All roads do lead to God. One day we will have to give an account to Him. But some unto salvation, others to eternal condemnation. This cry and this shout that came on this day as we studied, as we took a look at a glimpse, really, at Jesus' triumphal entry, fulfilled prophecy. But at the time, was without full understanding of who Jesus was. But today, there is no doubt. Like I said earlier, there's no excuse. Will we cry out Hosanna with full understanding? Hosanna, now we know. Will we cry out Hosanna? Hosanna in the highest. You are the son of David. You are the Son of God. I know that um, the youth, yesterday they had a youth rally. And uh, the theme was Worship 101. It's, uh, it's really getting a grasp on and understanding what it means to worship the Lord. By the way, singing and music and all of that is basically, in many ways, an overflow of, of a personal devotional life with Jesus. 
That's what it is. When you come here on Sunday morning and you sing to the Lord, it's an overflow of what's been taking place throughout the week and in previous weeks and months and years. It builds up. And you, with full knowledge, are lifting your hands, lifting your heart to the Lord, your voice, your heart, your mind, everything screams, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One day I will be in your presence. C.H. Spurgeon, and I'll close with this. Hosanna in the highest. By the way, we also have, in just a few moments, we'll have a a, uh, video um, for next Sunday. Um, But that'll happen, by the way, in the back, that'll happen after we sing Hosanna. All right? So Spurgeon said this, quote, It is a mark of Christ's presence when the church becomes enthusiastic. Did you hear that? That's Spurgeon. We sometimes hear complaints about revivals being too exciting. Perhaps the censure is deserved, but I would like to see a little of the fault. This age does not generally sin in the direction of being too excited concerning divine things. At C.H. Spurgeon, it's still that way today. We have erred so long on the other side that perhaps a little excess in the direction of fervor might not be the worst of all calamities. At any rate, I would not fear to try it. Can we try that this morning? So, Ray, come on up. Sydney, come on up. So this, by the way, was just... Uh, is everyone coming up? Yeah. Yeah? With fervor. With some excitement. I will say this before we get into the song, though. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we've gone through the disciples' ignorance at the time. Not afterward, by the way. Afterward, they realized, this is who was before us. He is fulfilling and has fulfilled prophecy. He truly is the son of David. He's the son of God. He came to die in my place for my sins. And with full knowledge, as we went through all four Gospels, actually, and pointed out to you exactly who Jesus is. And if you have not just simply repented of your sins, you repent, you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and asked Him to forgive you of your sins. If you've never done that, or perhaps if you have, and, and for you, you know, there's, there's no evidence of that in my life. There's just nothing there. And you would like to confess Him for who He is, asking Him for forgiveness, and no salvation in Jesus Christ, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, then I, I would implore you, respond to that this morning. And simply pray and ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask Him to be your Lord, your Savior. Give your heart, your life completely to Him. And I tell you, the Bible tells us that if we surrender our lives to Him, 
then what we get in return is forgiveness and we get eternal life with him. It's all by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray for you. And I haven't done this in quite some time, but I feel like the Lord wants to have that done this morning. They're not going to play just yet, but with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, I'm going to ask for anyone who this morning is surrendering their lives to Jesus Christ, I'd like to, for you to just stand to your feet and I'd like to pray for you. Okay? You're in the safest place that you could do that. We would all rejoice with you. So with your eyes closed and all of our heads bowed, we're going to pray and then I'm going to ask you just to stand up. Okay? Father, we thank you for loving us and demonstrating it to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet you tell us in your word that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, believe in, uh, confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. And so I pray, Lord, that you would move among this group of people right here. Spirit, move, draw men unto yourself, Father. I pray, Lord, that there would be a response in the affirmative, proclaiming that you, Jesus, are the Son of God. That we cry out, forgive us. Thank you for eternal life. If that's you, stand to your feet. I would love to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Today is the day of salvation. Anyone else that would say, Oh, Father, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I want to be yours. I want to know eternal life with you. If that's you and there's a stirring in your heart, I say respond. That's a spirit moving. It's it's not anything else. Stand to your feet and acknowledge that. Father, I thank you for these who have stood. Lord, you tell us in your word that if we confess you before men, you will confess us before the Father. You, Lord Jesus, said that. But if we deny you before men, you will deny us before the Father who is in heaven. Lord, it's simply an acknowledgement of who you are, who we've come to believe you are and understand and, and receive for ourselves. Lord, I pray for these who have stood, that you would bless them, Father, that you would fill them with your spirit to overflowing, that they would know that new life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them, Father, 
that they would be strengthened in their walk with you, in their lives, Lord, of living to your glory. So we thank you for salvation. Today, the angels in heaven are rejoicing over one sinner that repents. We rejoice along with them. We thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.